0: Greetings, my people and my relatives. It's me again, Laila June, the host of Nehije, our Voices Indigenous Solutions podcast. I know I say this every episode, but we truly are lucky to hear from the present guest, uh, who is my good friend, Shirleen Sanchez, who I just met in the Netherlands last week. Uh, She and I had dinner and she was telling me all about what she is doing for her nation. She is from the nation of Suriname. Suriname is a country in South America that few of us know of in the United States, frankly, but it is right next to Guyana and it was colonized by the Dutch um, or attempted to be colonized by the Dutch. And they also brought in relatives from all over the world there, China, Africa, India, So many people came to this land, which is the homeland of the Kalinga, the Trio, and the Arawak and other indigenous nations, which uh, Charlene can speak to much better than I can uh, soon. But um, she is of the Kalinga nation, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And um, her mother is a fierce advocate for her people. They are stationed in Amsterdam, Netherlands, right now, fighting on behalf of their people because the Dutch uh colony and and I'll, we'll get into it, but there's just so much uh tethers and strings tied between the indigenous peoples of Suriname and the Netherlands. Uh, and so she's doing amazing work, which I can't wait to get into. Um, but yes, she welcomed me with a lot of love and and grace when I came to Netherlands to to fight on behalf of nations here in in Turtle Island um, in what they call North America. And I with this episode I really want to uplift the fact that you know Suriname is a place needing a lot of love and attention that our indigenous relatives in South America in general need a lot of our love and attention as northern indigenous peoples who face extraordinary amounts of violence just for standing up for their land, their rights, even more, I dare say, than we experience here in the North. So this is just part of weaving together the condor and the eagle, as they say, um, being together and learning a lot from our sister here. So um, so um, I actually just answered our first question. So maybe I'll go to our second question. Sorry. Uh, but anyways, sister um what indigenous nation are you from and what do you do in the Netherlands to fight for your people there
1: yeah thank you Laila thank you for having me on this podcast at first so to tell my story to tell the story and the history of my indigenous nation in Suriname but my name is Charlene Sanchez I'm 44 years old now um I was born in Suriname and uh, Suriname is a country in South America it's next to British Guyana and French Guyana Uh, they used to call Suriname Dutch Guyana because it was colonized by the Netherlands Um, so um, the the history is even that um, England and the Netherlands had a war in the colonial time and they switched uh, New Amsterdam New York for Suriname that's the piece of history between the Netherlands and England. Uh, so the Netherlands has a really strong colonial past with Suriname. Um, if you, if the people in Suriname, the indigenous people in Suriname are, like you said, just said, the Arawak, uh, the Kalingo, we say Kalinga, but it's the same, the Kalingo, uh, the Trio, the Wayana. you have the Warau, you have the Wawai. So you got still a small population of Indigenous people in Suriname. I think it, it would be like around 25,000 people um, of Indigenous people in Suriname. But even the same like in all the Indigenous countries still struggling and fighting for their rights and recognition. So that's where my story starts. Indeed, my mom is uh, Rolina Amo, and she is a really proud Kalinya woman She's really proud of her culture, of her tradition. So I grew up with the culture and the Surinamese tradition. My dad, my dad is Afro-Surinamese. So um, I have a, a piece of me that's Indigenous and a piece of me that's Afro-Surinamese. But because I grew up with my mom, I got much more of the Indigenous culture, um, that, uh, uh, which I grew up with. So, uh, yeah, the Netherlands, the Netherlands has a real strong colonial past with Suriname. I mean, uh, much of the capital that um, was obtained uh, through slavery. Amsterdam, the city of Amsterdam became rich because of uh, the sugar factories and all of the, uh, the the materials that they got from Suriname. You could think about sugar, you could think about chocolate, gold, um, cacao. Uh, so, yeah. The Netherlands have a really big part if we talk about indigenous people of Suriname, because that's what we're going to talk about maybe a piece later on on the transatlantic slavery and the responsibility that the Netherlands had with the indigenous people before the Afro Surinamese people came to Suriname. Yeah, yeah. And there's a huge
0: movement now for reparations for. For Afro-Surinamese peoples, uh, huge reparations, monetary, you know, yes. large boatloads of money and um which is amazing and important, but to your point, they completely don't include indigenous peoples of Suriname in the conversation of reparations. What what is that about?
1: Exactly. Because um, so the year 2023 until 2024. It's the one hundred or 150 or 160 uh, memorial year on slavery in the Netherlands. Um, and therefore we had uh, apo- apo- uh, the, how do you call it, The president made apology last year. I think it was 19th of December. Um, and this year on the 1st of July, our King, Koning Willem-Alexander apologized for the colonial past and the history of slavery. So what does that mean, right? The history of slavery, because where did it start? That is where our our nation comes in. Because I always say that even in the Netherlands, you're talking about America that not not a lot of people know about the indigenous people, but even in the Netherlands, even in the Netherlands, A lot of the people in the Netherlands, of the community of Netherlands, don't even know that indigenous people are the first people in Suriname. It's not even written in their history books. Um, I also work at a museum, and so I give lectures about Suriname. uh, And I always teach the children, first the children, that who are the original people, who are the indigenous of Suriname, and they don't know. So if we're going to look back and see that we indigenous people fight for our uh, acknowledgement, right? Like over more than 500 years, it should start in our history books. We should be uh, recognized and acknowledged as also Dutch history because it's Dutch history. And 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 that's
0: how invisible indigenous peoples are is like, they were not even part of the historical chronology. Yeah. Uh, it's the same as true in Minnesota. I went to a school where they were teaching, you know, um, children about nature and da-da-da. And they had a whole timeline painted on the wall.
1: Hmm. And
0: and I swear to God, there was like five thousand years ago, the Aniwa Indigenous peoples were here. And then they just skip straight to the pi- the white pioneers coming, and then the white pioneers came, and da 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 da, and history starts there. So yeah. they did mention native peoples, but it was like five thousand years ago, right? And They didn't mention like, oh wait, actually, we kind of omitted the whole part where we murdered all those native people
1: <laughs> to create
0: the 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 state of. Minnesota that we know today so I I think it's so striking the parallel in Suriname is like they're not even honoring that they're they're apologizing for the horrific human trafficking of African peoples that is good but they're basically saying that's when history started in Suriname and it's like no history started literally well first of all at the dawn of time because we honor all life's history but mm-hmm. but we're talking tens of thousands of years mm-hmm. if not i mean they, they can prove about ten thousand years of human occupancy within mm-hmm. south america so mm-hmm. why why is that called prehistory? why is indigenous life and culture and civilization and the flourishing of massive indigenous eco-cities not even a part of human history it's prehistory or knowledge
1: or knowledge
0: exactly so i can see your struggle there
1: yeah it's really it's really painful as well uh, even just the piece of uh, the history of of slavery it's also difficult if you go to the uh, to the uh, to college you will get like maybe two sides in your college book about slavery and that's it and if they talk about surname they always start at the transatlantic slavery But that's not where Suriname started. That's not where our linked history with the Netherlands started. It started with the indigenous people, like you said. Before they could build those financial systems that made Amsterdam or the Netherlands rich on slavery, first they had and tried slavery on the indigenous people in Suriname as well. We call that rat slavery. Yeah, because of the... No, red red like oh red. red
0: sorry red, red i so that so they did enslave your yes. indigenous ancestors in Suriname. what were yes. they forcing yes. them to do was it sugar what was the exact
1: thing like the same work on the plantations the Arawak people and the Kalingo people were enslaved the people the Wayanas were not enslaved or not much enslaved because they were on the south side of Suriname and you know Suriname is in the Amazon right so it's really you have to have knowledge to to move into the, in the Amazon so uh, the Arawak people and the Kalingo people are on the top of Suriname near side of the sea uh, yes they were enslaved as well they were enslaved and we had a big war with uh, the Netherlands in that time When Governor Governor Van Somelsdijk came to the Netherlands, we had a really big war with the Netherlands and we won that war. We had our own warriors. One of them was called Kaitushi or Kaikusi. That means the panther, the tiger. He won the war with the Netherlands. I think it was 1683 and around that time. Um, And they made, and then Governor van Samaldijk Made, um, how do you call um, A a peace of agreement Or agreement of peace Yeah, a treaty A treaty, yeah, and he could marry one of the Indigenous princesses to keep the Peace between the Netherlands And the Indigenous people That doesn't
0: seem like a good deal It's like, I'll take one Of your women and we'll have peace
1: And everything is okay Like, Mm -hmm. but this piece of history no there's no in there's nobody in the netherlands who knows that this is dutch history so that's so, where it starts yeah and after after they tried to enslave and killed almost more than a population of indigenous people in the suriname after that they build a system and went to africa and enslaved our Um, African brothers and sisters and shipped them to Suriname and all the Americas, Abiyala. We called Abiyala all of the Americans because it's it's not just Suriname. Um, If you know that uh, the Netherlands also have um, Curaçao, Aruba, uh, Bonaire, the, the Caribbean islands. Our people were on all of those Caribbean islands. And even the Netherlands was really involved with with the slavery past and trying to wipe out all of the indigenous people on all of those islands. I think we definitely should consider that on the indigenous people has been the biggest genocide of all the people in the world. So why are we still not included in an inclusive part of history of the Netherlands? Why is nobody talking about it? Why doesn't nobody knows? So it's really painful if we're going to talk about uh, yeah, the indigenous past and the past of slavery, transatlantic slavery, Dutch history, um, and that we're still fighting for visibility, for acknowledgement. It's a big struggle. Yeah, Yeah.
0: So let's talk about the Center for Indigenous Knowledge, which you have co-founded or maybe even founded is the better word, but you're a strong part of in Amsterdam you just kind of officially became an organization last month August 2023 I so I was invited to Netherlands to give a speech um to mostly non-native folks in Netherlands about Mm -hmm. native Native American, quote unquote, or indigenous land management techniques. And when I went to the Netherlands, I was like, yo, I got to have meetings with everyone. I want to meet everyone there is to meet to gain alliances for my people back home. So I met with all kinds of interesting groups that are very pro-Native American. Um, They're really down with that. You know, they a lot of people from Netherlands have been to South Dakota. They've been to New York to hang out Mm. with the Haudenosaunee people they're like very like you know how in Germany everyone loves Native Americans it's like a little bit of that going on and it's like it's great um because we need that alliance right now more than ever but mm. I then I was like wait they're they're almost pay more attention to us than they do the indigenous peoples of Suriname you know because we're the ones who were in Hollywood and we're the North, North American Indians quote-unquote mm. we're the ones who kind of take the spotlight oftentimes mm. and and all of Europe is kind of fascinated by us, you know, um, but then they're not reckoning with their own colonial past in Suriname and they're pointing fingers at like, oh, how dare the American government kill all the Lakota nation in these battles. And mm-hmm. that's terrible, but they're not looking at what happened in Suriname. Um, so anyways, I'm meeting all these people and then someone's like, you got to meet Shirlene Sanchez. And I was ah. like, okay, great. <laughs> and uh, so when I met you, you were you are I would say the hub in Amsterdam for mm. indigenous peoples right now. There
1: used to be um, what did Leo direct the Center for Indigenous? What was it? NCIV. It was the uh, the National Center for Indigenous uh, 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 Peoples Culture.
0: Yeah, something. Yeah, the folk means people. Yeah. Right. So there used to be this wonderful organization in Netherlands, but it was led by a, a Dutch guy, which yeah. is great in, in a way. It's, there's pros and cons to that. But now you as a Kalinga, Kalinga woman are sort of the, the one of the strong people who's decided like, okay, I'll step forward. I will do this. And yeah. you're like the hub of say, you know, native folks from Choctaw, nation or mohawk nation or lakota nation goes to amsterdam these days they're going to be reaching out to you to to make that formal protocol of like they should yeah you're you're the well you're the welcoming center right now but there's lots of other stuff you do so please share with people about the center for indigenous knowledge why did you create it what is it going to do Mm. So excited! It's a great model for us in the U.S. as it were. So I'd love to hear more about it.
1: Yeah, I should definitely think also about two things. First, the the uh, relationship between the Netherlands and the U.S. Because uh, even in the U.S., the Netherlands have a really big influence on the indigenous people. It's not for for a reason that we have a Harlem in the U.S. That you have even a Drenthe. You have a Wageningen, a, a Brooklyn, a Brooklyn. They're all Dutch city names. So if you think look back in the, to the history part of the Netherlands, even in the US, they had a really big involvement with New York people. New York
0: used to be called New Amsterdam. yes New and Amsterdam. it was a Dutch colony.
1: yeah yes, anyway, yes. All right, go and it was sold for Suriname. So that's where the piece of history started. First with the US and then Suriname um yeah why did i start the indigenous knowledge center why do i think that is necessary i used to work oh we've met first the first time that we've met was at uh, an earth charter conference on sustainability and spirituality i think in assisi italy Um, yes you and
0: i met there yep
1: yeah Uh, and i've worked for the earth charter pretty long time i think since 2008 um, and the Earth Charter is like uh, an ethical framework uh, for building a sustainable and peaceful global society. Um, and it seeks to inspire uh, in all people new sense of global uh, interdependence, you should say, and shared responsibilities for a well-being of whole human family on global issues, you should say global issues. Um, and there are, mo- there are a lot of, beautiful, I have to say, beautiful, young, uh, innovative organizations, NGOs, or um, uh, who have loads of beautiful ideas for a much better world, let's say that first. Um, And all those organizations also want to integrate indigenous philosophies into their work situation or in their uh, organizations. So they had contact and they wanted to know a lot about Indigenous knowledge, Indigenous vision, Indigenous perspectives. Um, um, And I tried to help them as well and also inform them about Indigenous position, especially in Suriname. But it also didn't felt correct or it didn't felt um, how do you say, honest that Again, a lot of Dutch organizations trying to integrate those indigenous philosophies into their work in their organizations, it felt like you're taking away the knowledge again like again and not appropriating. Giving, yeah and not giving anything back to the indigenous communities. So because the indigenous communities, Today, if you look at them today, they're still struggling. They're still facing threats concerning losing their territories, getting poisoned by, I don't know, mercury and uh, fighting for their history, fighting for an, uh, acknowledgement, fighting for recognition. There's so much struggles for the indigenous peoples today, even today. So it felt like if they got all the information about cl- for climate change, especially for climate change and all the things that are happening today in the world, uh, community building, leadership, uh, but also um, a science knowledge. Um, if you take all those information away again, what do we give back to the indigenous peoples? It didn't felt right. So two years ago, um, I uh, made the decision that we had to do something. We should have our own right, how we should share and work on our indigenous knowledge. Who who do you want to share it with? How do we preserve our knowledge? And um, we should definitely should be included in the history parts of the Netherlands because we are Dutch history. It started with us, if we're talking about slavery and transatlantic slavery and building up the, the capitals that, Amsterdam and the Netherlands have today. So I think thought it was better for us to have our own home, an indigenous knowledge center where we could come together, a vocal point for different indigenous uh, communities who live in the Netherlands, but even abroad, where we could work on uh, reparations on uh, our cultural identity, because our cultural identity, if you look at the, the young, den, young, younger generations, they are losing their identity. They should be proud again on who they are, and they should be proud of their history, proud of their knowledge. So it should be a vocal point on home, a base for indigenous people, where we can work on reparations, on a cultural identity, but also on our history part, but also on ecological, um, uh, uh, knowledge or agriculture or medical knowledge. We should preserve that knowledge and we could also work on uh, I mean like archives uh, because a lot of people don't even know how many indigenous people are in the Netherlands, which indigenous people are in the Netherlands. It's, they don't have the statistics. So a an, an center is really necessary to work on all those uh, uh, um, Uh, pieces that the Netherlands have to uh, accept of the indigenous people. Um, And also that we could be uh, uh, present in the Netherlands because we don't have our home. We are not included. It's really painful to see. So um, I need also a house where other indigenous, like from the U.S., could come to and could work on that same and uh, exchange knowledge, our indigenous knowledge, and learn from each other. But especially also could work with science, with universities, with um, uh, uh, museums, for example. Yes,
0: and I love how aware you are that people are going to try to co-opt you, people are going to try to use you, (laughs) even Mm -hmm. if they have good intentions. And I love how strong you are of like, I'm founding college in Amsterdam, but I am going to have firm boundaries as to how we interact with others, how our knowledge is shared yes, and how we are going to be for indigenous peoples, not a tool for colonial nonprofits, colonial this and that, that want to feel better about themselves. Um, But make sure that there is a reciprocity and yes. that, 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 that people are only working with you who are genuinely concerned about making things right again. Um, And even training them how to not accidentally recolonize by taking from the organization without giving and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's just amazing what you are doing. And I have a question about what's in the basement of the museum in (laughs) Amsterdam, but I want to let you finish or I could jump into that now, whatever you prefer.
1: Well, I think definitely that we should also know that we should decolonize systems to acknowledge indigenous knowledge. That's really important, decolonization. We need to decolonize our minds. We need to move away from, how do you say, Dutch or white uh, supremacy thoughts on whose knowledge is valuable, more valuable than the others. I think that's the most important part in uh, in having this uh, indigenous knowledge center because indigenous knowledge is not something that you could measure with uh, the, the, the tools that we have in science. It's not just something that you have to measure. Like love, we feel love. You cannot measure love, but we know that love is there. We can feel it. So I think to decolonize your mindset and system is necessary for us too get accepted, accepted with our indigenous knowledge first, yeah, and um, yeah, I think that's the most important thing, and the center will come definitely. Maybe I should tell about uh, the memorial year as well, and yes, then I please. will go to the to the museum. Yes, um, please. Um, so now we have the conversation with local authority, because the local authority invited invited uh, the people of Suriname, all the communities of Suriname, to to talk about slavery. So how are we going to work on reparations? How are we going to work on healing? So, you know, in Suriname, there are different communities. You have a lot of people from China, a lot of people from India, Indonesia, uh, the people from West Africa and the indigenous people. So everybody has their own trauma, right? Everybody has their own trauma in the colonial past. So everybody is also invited. So now we, with Indigenous Knowledge Centre and other Indigenous, I think maybe four organisations were present, um, have these conversations just started with the local authority about how are we going to work on this reparation and healing? And I definitely think that in the Indigenous Knowledge Center should be a key role on having these conversations between the government and the indigenous communities. Because even uh, the the government uh, replies by, Shirlene, we definitely don't know much about indigenous people. I have to be honest. They don't even know and they are saying that we that we need more investigation we need more diving in our history in our parts in the archives to get all this information above so there's so much work to do just first to be visible in in on the on the desk of the governments of the ones who are leading the Nenatus the right now so um yeah a lot of work is necessary for the dutch government to dive in their own history and colonial responsibility in Suriname and the caribbean for our do indigenous you, people
0: do you think there's a way that um we as people from you know the us or whoever's listening from wherever they're listening from could support uh the kalina people um, the trio people, the indigenous peoples of Suriname and the indigenous peoples of, of South America in general, which I mm-hmm. feel are not as supported, you know, what, what do you think we could do to be in the fight with you?
1: Mm, I think it, it start with creating awareness. It start by even mentioning us. It start by uh, when we had like a meeting with uh, the people of the Um, uh, 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 slavery memorial year I just told them that if we're going to talk about slavery and the transatlantic slavery if you count, you don't count with four, five, six, seven you start with one you start with one, you start at the beginning that's where a lot of people could help with creating start from the beginning tell our story and let people know that we are still alive today a lot of people think that we're, we're wiped out. No, we're still here. We're still here, still fighting, still demanding for our rights because we have our rights. So it starts with acknowledgement. It starts by creating awareness. Talk about us, share our information, share our history. The Netherlands have a big uh, history part in Suriname, in the Guyanas, in the Caribbean side, on the indigenous people. We are still here. We are even here in the Netherlands. Don't ignore us. Embrace us and embrace the history and definitely the relation that we have. And I think we should even collect and work together, even with the US, I'm looking forward to it. Look, even with the US by um, 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 collecting Dutch um, colonial past, the relationship that I had with the US which What was the relationship between the Netherlands and the indigenous people surrounding the New York, New Amsterdam? What happened? Where is that piece of history? I'm looking forward on looking that up. I'm really looking forward, to working with the indigenous people in the US and see what the Dutch part of history was in the colonial time before transatlantic slavery. So yes, I think we should definitely work, but it first starts with just recognize that we are here. Just recognize, just see us. Visibility, acknowledgement, that's where it starts. We are still here, Laila. We're still here, still fighting, still struggling. So, but now that the Memorial year of slavery opened up, it is the first like gap opening Yep. of this conversation so what was the colonial past i think that a lot of people in the government are like oh yeah the indigenous people I forgot about them so what 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 was the piece of history we have to find out we have to find out yeah i think that that's that's their situation right now so
0: and thank yeah. god that your mother like honored her nation and honored her yes. culture and and raised you in that environment because you i don't know if anyone else would don't get me wrong there's like so many amazing Af- indigenous saranamese people in amsterdam doing amazing work um mm. but man you're 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 holding the staff like strong and you're like you won't forget about us sorry
1: you know? no and so, no thank Impossible. goodness that,
0: yeah thank if goodness that you're my mom, there.
1: yeah
0: yeah and it's really- fascinating and you and i talked about this last week. Is that you present as afro You know, yes. you have the the phenotype, but yes. that almost gives you like an in, right? Like they're like, "Oh, cool, afro people, let's talk about the trans." And then you're like, "Actually, my mother, <laughs> Alina, and we got some other stuff to talk about." Okay, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think that's really um, like perfect in a way because y- you are the you are such a, a fierce advocate for this um, of not letting the, the world forget. Um and 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 I remember when I first learned about Suriname two years ago because frankly a lot of people in the US don't know about Suriname. Um, I YouTubed a few speeches from the trio, uh, in, indigenous nation in Suriname, and and one of the things they said was we're here in Suriname, and uh, the 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 people who came, who, the Afro uh the African folks who came, and married into indigenous peoples um they're problematically called maroons right but Ah,
1: yeah right right
0: but there's a better word for for it that's not has doesn't have you know bad roots to it but there's this whole afro-indigenous community that doesn't really identify as native american doesn't really identify as african they're kind of like this hybrid population and they have so much I won't say so much. They have some rights in Suriname. They fought for them. They even have communities, land bases. And the trio were saying, like, that's all well and good. But we as trio, who kind of identify more heavily on the Native American spectrum of keeping those traditions, those ceremonies, those stories going, um, we don't have any rights at all in our own country, in our own homeland. And of course, that's by design, right? But uh, they were saying, like, how come the... Uh, for lack of a better term i know this needs to be rewritten i apologize but how come the maroon nations have all this political status but the trio are just like invisible and Mm -hmm. that is so parallel i think Mm -hmm. to the united states of america where um you know there's just a lot of well intended and very good attention on the black lives matter movement which is so important Mm -hmm. so past due and Mm -hmm. i celebrate it with my whole body heart and soul every day and at the very same time indigenous peoples are not even on the radar we're not even on the map of reparations we're not even mentioned and um like when they did the um election right they said that they broke up the voting block of like oh black voters uh hispanic voters white voters and then it said something else yes Something yeah. else. That's yeah. what. That's the demographic. Yeah, we were given on yeah. CNN on national television was wow Asian voters, black voters, Hispanic voters, Asian voters, and then our category was something else. In our own had, homeland,
1: like I had did- the same experience, Lila. You just oh, I just had the same experience because in the Netherlands they have like a national medical test, right, where they invite. Different women from Suriname about food and about illnesses. How food is, um, how you said, related to some illnessness that a lot of people in Surinamese have? Right. And at the end, I had to fill in like a form, um, and they had like so. Which, what is your ethnicity? Yeah, later was like, do you are you Afro Surinamese? Are you Chinese? Are you um, a Hindustani from India, or are you Japanese from Indonesia? Or, like, overig means like others. It wasn't even on the form. So, I mean, if we're talking about surname, how could you not start with first indigenous? And even the indigenous people eat like a lot of, um, how do you say, uh, napoy, of uh, cassava? Yeah, cassava.
0: Yeah, cassava. Yeah.
1: So, we have a real different diet. So, that's really important for your science test about food and the relationship between food and illnesses so i wrote a really really long i was so angry letter to that organization i was like how is it even possible not to mention the indigenous people when you talk about them it's it's so frustrating it's frustrating but that's where it starts right it starts with acknowledgement they don't I,
0: I, think, I think that's the difference between you and most. And correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, mm. if I'm wrong, but we don't write the letter anymore here in no. the US. We're we just freaking, we're so used to getting run over.
1: Wow.
0: We, we don't even, it's like I would never have written the letter. I would have just been really angry and pissed off and been like, oh yeah, that happened again, and then go on with my day. So I love that about you. You're like, mm-hmm. you know what? No.
1: We yes. should, we, yeah. And like- well, I mean, <laughs> it, it's it's so frustrating, Lila. It's so frustrating. And if we're going back to um, the Afro-Surinamese side and uh, over the Maroon side, I have to say that, in Suriname, you have the Afro—you say Afro-American—and we say Afro-Surinamese uh, community, where you have the two parts. You have the people who were enslaved, and after I think, uh, after slavery. They, most of them uh, lived in the cities of Amsterdam, and they grew up in the cities of Amsterdam. But in time of slavery, if we're going to talk about the maroons, I'm not, I don't want to say maroons, but actually tribal people, tribal people, the tribal people who were the ones who fled from the plantages into the Amazon forest, and um, and they uh, met the indigenous people. And they shared a lot of knowledge, a lot of spirituality. They shared a lot of um, history together. So the tribal people, they stayed into the forest. They just built a whole community into the forest. They even built their own language because they were from different uh, uh, tribes from Africa. So they even created their own language. And uh, today, they're also fighting for their land rights how do you say land rights yeah land rights land rights but even exactly if you're going to talk about the indigenous people they're fighting for even more than land rights it's their land it's the land of the indigenous people so um if we're going to talk about uh, the one uh, the memorial year on slavery with the government i think they should definitely look at the community trauma of the trauma of the communities because those are different it's different it's all bad it's all bad but it's a different kind of trauma if you're going to look to the indigenous people it's I just told you the biggest genocide right the biggest genocide it's losing their land losing their spirituality spirituality losing their culture losing their language it's so much that needs to be that we need to talk about with the dutch government and it's a different kind of trauma but you cannot separate the transatlantic slavery with the indigenous history it's how do you say um how do you say on in in, in in inextricably linked to each other it you cannot lose those two together so i think it's definitely for the afro-surinamese communities they should consider and be aware um, what that link is between the indigenous and the afro-surinamese community i'm really proud of my afric afro-surinamese brothers and sisters who created this awareness on slavery, on um, uh, in in the Netherlands, but we should start at the beginning. That's something that they should consider. We should start at the beginning. And speaking and it, of the beginning, oh, sorry, go ahead. It's not that uh, uh, the pain of another community and the pain of the African community should c- compare each other. It's not. Uh, it's not. It's not a battle that has to be win yeah it's, well
0: yeah
1: yeah it's truth it, it, it's our right it's, it's our it's right
0: all one thing it's all one thing none higher none lower is one thing and exactly. and to to oh, parts but like what's what's crazy okay this is gonna a, a bit of a bit of a heavy topic i'm just gonna warn folks but um the Dutch did take the bodies of our people from, and when I say our people, I mean this hemisphere. Uh, I, the bodies of our people back to Amsterdam, and 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 put them in museums. Okay, so why is it that they don't want to acknowledge that we had the first history, but they do have the proof of that history in their museums because they took it. It's in like the they're summer, not blind they yes, know yes. that so tell us i tell us about these guys okay. it's
1: okay, really important
0: yeah, but okay
1: let me start first i work at a museum it's called uh the tropical museum but it will be called world museum from the 4th of october um and uh you don't have a lot of indigenous people working in the museum as well but they just started last year june a new exhibition that is called our colonial Inheritance. And in the museum, I work as a museum teacher. I teach people about our colonial past and about Suriname, about indigenous uh, knowledge. Um, So they just started this new exhibition, Our Colonial Inheritance. And when it was exposed for the first time, I was disappointed again. I was disappointed because I didn't see much of my own history again. again, in the exhibition. So it felt, I just felt like we had to speak to the director. And the director is called, he's, his name is called Wayne Modest. He's, I think, from Jamaica or St. Martin as well. So um, he is like really, um, uh, he is really, how do you say, he has a good heart, he's open for every everything that we needed to say. We really wanted some change in the exhibition and he was listening and he gave us permission. Yes, okay, you are right. We should do something about the exhibition. So um, my cousin, Manui, she's also like, she's an artist, an artist and also Kalina, my cousin. She was asked to choose one of the items in that collection of our colonial inheritance and have, uh, made, that she should make a piece of art uh, and tell a story about one of the items. But she told Wayne as well that there's not much of my community which I can choose. Oh, so is it possible that I could choose something from the whole collection that the Tropical Museum possesses?
0: Right. many Much of which is in the basement
1: which is in the basement we call it a depot in the Netherlands or you call it a cellar right so we already the community already knew about the baby we already knew that the tropical museum had one of our ancestors uh how do you say a baby fetus um, on strong water, and just looked it up what it's called for in English. It's, it's a
0: preservative form- water, preservative water. Yeah,
1: it's called formal formadil- form- Formaldehyde,
0: formaldehyde. Yes,
1: that's the word, formaldehyde. They have a baby fetus on formaldehyde. One of our ancestors, for more than over 100 years, our ancestor has been locked up in a cellar in the museum our ancestor you know we have a really big and strong spiritual relationship right
0: is That's it a really fetus Is it a fetus? though it seemed bigger than a feet it seemed like a oh, maybe it's bigger i don't know what, what age
1: it is it's a baby, how, it's, a how real tall baby.
0: Is it? it's like it's like a foot tall right like it's it's not maybe a feet it's-, it's not an unborn baby it is a uh, okay boy. it is a baby there is a a human baby
1: a in real formaldehyde. Human baby. Yes, in formaldehyde in the cellar. So when we heard about that, we just asked our director, "Could we ask for more and create more awareness on that baby? Because that baby is is not supposed to be in a cellar. That is our ancestor. That is a spiritual being." Locked up from the colonial past till today, and it's still not free. It's still suffering from the colonial history that the Netherlands had with Suriname. It's a Kalinya baby, definitely. That's the only thing that we know, and it 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 it's wearing uh, like. Uh, feathers and slippers and it's carrying like small snake because a hundred years ago they it was exposed as this is an Indian that's why it's on the uh, form how do you call the water
0: formaldehyde
1: formaldehyde water yeah
0: so it was put on exhibition in the museum a hundred years ago a baby and it's not the only baby they have in the basement
1: no, no, there are more babies, there are more babies. So my cousin Manui asked for, if she could make a like a creative art piece where she could create awareness about um, uh, the baby uh, and the museum agreed, the museum agreed. They didn't know how we would do it, but we did. Um, we invited most, of, some of the indigenous people from Suriname to the museum and um there's a movie that i've shared with you right about that one um yes
0: we'll put it in the we'll put it in the show notes for the episode
1: definitely definitely um on creating on, on creating the awareness on the baby and so we started like a council for uh repatriation is that the right correct word repatriation uh um and we just uh, uh she read a letter to the Minister of Culture and Education and to the director of the museum and asked them for more information about the baby, because we want to know how did the baby get in possession of the Netherlands and who's the baby parents and how did they get the baby and was it like exhibits uh, shown, or was it what were their owners in the Netherlands who helped baby at their home? Um, you know, we want we have so many questions about the baby, um, and um, I have to say that the museum or Wayne Mothers, is truly helpful. He is really respectful as well. That yes, we should definitely have more information and we should definitely open our doors for all our, the pieces or our ancestors and all the things that they have from our colonial past in the cellar, we should let them free. We should let them go. We should humanize the museum again. And get rid of the dehumanization that has been done for so many years. So, so, so many years. Yeah.
0: If, so if, 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 if the world knew about this baby, yeah, Amsterdam would be like under international fire right now and not in a negative way, not in a non-constructive way, but in a like, hey, let's let's heal this. You know, if they found out there was a a, like a Danae baby in the basement of like UC Berkeley or something, Mm -hmm. we would be in droves. Wow. Oh. Tens, even even our people who are scared to stand up sometimes because we've been beaten down for so long and we ha- it's hard for us to, to get back up there would be tens of thousands of us at the front door of that university saying what are you thinking you yeah creepy weirdo like,
1: yeah why are yeah, you yeah, keeping, yeah yeah i think I- this is also an opening for a lot of museum and whole of europe if you just just think about yeah that. What with what is in the museum of Spain or in England or are, are there still ancestors of ancestors of ours in all of those museums?
0: Yes, you are opening now. you are yeah. opening a conversation here. Yeah. And it's not the only one you're opening. You're doing so much work, sister, that, like you say, is guided by your ancestors. It's not mm-hmm. you, it's not me. Mm-hmm. But thank you for being open to their to their goals and visions, because you're you really are opening so much, even with just one indigenous knowledge center. It's a catalyst for so much. Um, So
1: much. Yeah.
0: And we are running a little short on time here. I, I, but I wonder if you can share any last thoughts you might have. Um, And then I wonder if my final question could be, what is your message to other indigenous peoples around the world? Um, And indigenous allies i know we're all indigenous to somewhere but we're not all indigenous to where we are standing and we need mm-hmm. to be an ally to the indigenous peoples of wherever we're standing mm-hmm. um but what would be your message to other people working for these things
1: um i first would say like that um, about the baby and the museum and the government in the netherlands that they now acknowledge the indigenous people not but how does the acknowledgment look like yeah. that's the conversation that we should have first. How does your acknowledgement look like? How is it going to develop? I think that, oh, we all need healing. Not even the people in Suriname, not only the people in the Netherlands, but we all need healing. We all need the healing. Because if we're going to talk about indigenous knowledge, we should think about... Our future generations about intergenerational equity. Huh? Let's say that yeah? if we're going to talk about indigenous knowledge, we should know the indigenous people should know why our knowledge is important. It has been uh, uh, demonized, or it has been pe- uh, It was pagan for the colonists, right? and now suddenly because of climate change and community building and suddenly they all want indigenous knowledge it's important we have to investigate well let our community our indigenous communities take control over our knowledge we should work we should collaborate and we should find each other all the indigenous community we should find each other and strengthen our our knowledge with each other and we should um, be not just in Suriname and, and and Netherlands, even in England, in, 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 in France, in Spain. We should all be a part of their in their history books. We should be uh, 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 recognized. We should still and always will fight for our rights. Because maybe the last thing that I have to say, and that's beautiful. Um, no, no, this is not beautiful. I mean... They have like the Holocaust, which we get a lot of teaching of the, the Second World War. But how about the American Holocaust? Where can we read about the American Holocaust? Why doesn't nobody knows about the American Holocaust? It is and it was a Holocaust and what as well, and we are still fighting and still feeling the impact of the colonial past today. If you look to the diaspora today, we're still fighting. So we should not stop fighting. We should go on with the battle. We should make ourselves visible. We should open up our mouths. We should speak. We should tell about our history. And we should, I think, find each other, all the indigenous communities because we're not wiped out. We are truly the seeds. which they forgot about, we didn't. We are spiritual beings. Our ancestors are always with us. The battle was never done. It's still going on today through us. And we should reconnect. Reconnect with yourself. Reconnect with other communities. Reconnect with your ancestors because they're there. Because they are there helping us.
0: Thank you, thank you so thank much,
1: Lila. Thank you, Lila.
0: I I think <laughs> that it's such a it's such a beautiful thing to be inspired by you, um, our sister from the south. You know, um, and the immense amount of <laughs> insanity that your people have gone through.
1: Um, we are- we have gone through.
0: Yes, yes, and. All of the attention that is on, quote unquote, Native Americans here in the USA and Canada needs to be forwarded and directed to the South. um, And we need to weave those connections. Um, And so I've been praying for a long time to do a podcast interview with someone from Serenity. But I thought, thought, oh, we we have a language barrier. I don't speak Dutch. I don't speak TRIO. But here you are. You speak Dutch, uh Kalina. Trying and English. to
1: have English, I cannot I know, I to. Words, but I can remember all the words, <laughs> but
0: but you you sp- and I just thank you for being that bridge, you know, and um and may we continue to do the work that your mother is doing and that she taught you to do. Um, yeah. so I, I'm 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 at the brink of tears, in good tears. Um, so thank you for your time. And this is only the beginning. And please check out the links that we're going to share in the show notes here. And thank you, sister. Unless there's anything else you'd like to say, I will close here.
1: Thank you, Lila, for having this opportunity. Just like I said, we are the seeds and seeds need water. And Mm -hmm. your podcast is the water that we need for more visibility. Thank you so much, Lila. Thank you.
0: Thank you, sister.